You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I want to introduce you, um, Don Rogers. He's been with us before, here with us before. I don't know how many times you've been here. Do you? No. I don't either. Can't keep up. Um, I know, this is what I do know about him. When um, he came first couple of times, he prophesied over some people here. And some of the stuff that he prophesied over them, he did not who, know who they were or where they were from or what they did. But some of the things he prophesies over is about finances and increase. And I kid you not, the one person he prophesied over, I went, whoa, is that really going to happen for that person? And I want to tell you what, it, it was about two or three later's two or three years later, but it did happen. And it was with a person that I didn't expect for that to happen. So he does hear from the Lord. He's a powerhouse that you just don't know what's going to come out of him because he seeks the Father. And he doesn't really wait on man. He does what he feels the Spirit telling him to do. So with that, I'd like to introduce Mr. John Rogers. Wow, I hope that man shows up today. <laughs> it's so good to be here, and you know, every time I do have the opportunity to come, I, I honestly want to seek God because it does you no good to hear from me. Amen. I, th I thought we'd get a better amen there. <laughs> and for me, as the uh, vessel that's going to deliver the message today that's good news that you'll hear from God and not from me because it relieves me of all responsibility amen other than being prepared and deliver what God uh, has asked me to do I promise I won't take any longer than I did last time <laughs> amen so uh, as I'm gathering some of my notes together I want you to think about the reason you're here today I want you to understand something that Acts 1, 2, somewhere in there, it says they were all in one accord. That's not a Honda either. That is, they had one mindset. They all had different walks of life, but they were there for one purpose, and I believe that's the reason you're here today, is that you're here because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because He died for you, He paid for you in full, and you fell in love with Him the day that you got saved. And so that's why you're here at the church, and the church is what God organized together. Man wasn't smart enough to bring every race together the way God did through Jesus Christ. God doesn't know race. God doesn't know class. Amen? Amen. He is the classiest but he doesn't label people in class. There's neither Jew, Greek, Gentile. God doesn't look at us in the way we look at ourselves. He looks at the fact that he paid for you in full, that you're complete in him, and if you'll stay hooked up to faith at the end of your journey, not only will you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, but you'll have done good on the earth. You'll have showed people that God is alive and well. Amen? And I believe that's what we're here today, that we're all together, one accord. Something happened on that day when they got in one accord. Does anybody remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? What happened? Suddenly, 
suddenly God showed up. So I'm going to start teaching because obviously I'm already in that mode teaching a little bit. So he showed up suddenly and something happened supernatural at that time. Something man could not conjure up. So I guess if you had to think about it, let's talk about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are God's will, not man's will. But when his people get into agreement, then we can have lots of suddenlies. So why is that important to you today? Because you can go home and be in one accord with two people, the Holy Ghost and yourself, and start to have some suddenlies in your marriage. You can start to have some suddenlies in your business. You can have some suddenlies in your neighborhood. So your hood can be suddenly attacked by God. Amen? Instead of the enemy always prevailing and you worrying about somebody stealing your stuff or this or that. So they came in agreement and suddenly the church was born on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost was released that day to begin to reveal to the believers the things Jesus could not express to them. Let me say it again. The Holy Ghost was released that day to share intimate secrets about the kingdom of God with His people. Let me say it another way. God released the Holy Ghost that day to carry out the will on the earth for Himself. You don't realize this, but you're a product of the Holy Ghost wooing you to the kingdom. You were wooed by the Holy Ghost. You were not smart enough to seek a Savior. I'm sorry. I wasn't either. I know that shakes some of your theology because you think you found God. But God found you. I almost felt like a horse. You know how the horse, when he gets in attention, he's like, they get that gate ready. I feel the Holy Ghost is like that. See, God's always wanting to do something for you. Now, but let me explain some things to you today. The favorite subject of the Bible is faith. It's not prosperity. It's not health. It's not about obtaining things. It's about pleasing God. And so I'm going to talk about faith. Because faith can only begin in your life where the will of God is known. If you don't know anything about God, you can't have faith in God. It don't just happen. It don't just mysteriously take place. But now listen, I talked about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, I'm going to tell you something, don't have nothing to do with you or me. They just take place. God can do that anytime He wants to. Come on, let's have a little better amen out of y'all. Come on, class. This is one of those you got to participate in. You either got to say amen or oh me. Okay? And if you get to the oh me's, just, just say it softly. But don't, don't, don't elbow your spouse. It ain't fun. I get them all the time. <laughs> it's like, honey, I'm working on it. We're going to be... You know what? Stand up, babe. I want to show everybody. Come here. 32 years she's had to put up with me. Yeah. So I want to thank Pastor John and Miss Ann for trusting me to come and be able to minister the word to you. But you know, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, those are things that God controls, not a man. I want to say it again. We do participate in it, 
because faith will draw the power of God to you while a man is anointed to allow God to move. But faith is the substance of things that we are hoping for that will happen consistently in our life. Faith is the tool God gave us to a victorious life. His word is the power of God unto salvation and in it revelation of righteousness is revealed. Your right standings revealed. But without the Holy Ghost speaking to you, you don't have revelation. The Bible says that many people heard the gospel being preached but it profited them nothing because they didn't mix faith with it. So it's possible to sit in church for 30 years and hear the gospel, but it prosper or profits you nothing. If you're taking notes, the word profit simply means to increase, to get better, to get mo. So we want more money, more health, more peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now let me just explain something to you. Money's good, but it can't bring you joy. Money's wonderful, but it can't bring you peace. Money's wonderful, and it can't buy you the kingdom. Money is simply a tool that you and I have to access to use on the earth to have a better life and promote the gospel. God said he would establish his kingdom with his people and make them so wealthy that it would be a part of the covenant and the world would desire to be like us. Amen. Dear God, help us. Help us understand more about the kingdom. Help us understand more why you want us to prosper. Why you want us to be the head and not the tail. To be the lender and not the borrower. Well, you know, I've been the borrower I've had to borrow before, but I had to do it by their rules. And it ain't near as fair as God's. God gives rules that are fair, and they are constantly thinking about my betterment. Think about it. That's why you want to be the lender instead of the borrower, because you have to do it by their way. Well, God has a way of getting us prosperity that benefits us and benefits others and establishes His goodness on the earth. God wants you wealthy and healthy and full of joy to show you off to the world so they will see how good He is to His people. Amen. <laughs> it's not so you can go to work longer. I thought I'd get a better amen there. Huh? It's not so you can retire and take your four boats and go out on the ocean and disappear and never come back. You know, life is just a vapor. We're here for a short while. And I don't know about you. When I was living it just for myself, God, it was lonely. It was so shallow. I mean, shallow how has nothing on how shallow John was. You know, I mean, all you think about is yourself. The three greatest people in your life, me, myself, and I. But when you, when you focus on just them, oh, it's so terrible. Can you imagine if God just focused on him, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, and that was it? Where would you be today? So faith is the greatest substance of the Bible. Where faith begins is where your knowledge of God begins. For example, 
Until you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, people were telling you on a regular basis that you need a Savior. Did you notice after you got saved, you started being challenged about your health, your wealth, your walk, your talk, everything about you. All of a sudden, God starts to deal with everything. Up until then, all he was interested in is getting you saved. For we're saved by grace and not by works. We couldn't earn it. But where did the faith come from? I know I'm repeating myself, but listen, I don't have a problem repeating what I hear over and over because in Hebrews 11, faith was repeated 20 times. And then all of a sudden, do you notice that until the Apostle Paul wrote the epistles, faith wasn't mentioned much? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't talk about it that much. They talked about the acts of God. They talked about how wonderful he was. It was Jesus constantly introducing the word faith. See, faith comes from heaven. Faith doesn't come from the earth. Faith is a God substance. Faith is God himself releasing himself to us. Faith is not earthly substance. It's a heavenly substance that's to invade our place. See, you realize that after you got born again, God starts to talk to you about the just shall live by faith. The just, who are those people? Those just are the ones that have been declared not guilty. Those that have been rightly paid for in full. All the demands of your sin, my sin, were completely met by Jesus. God is totally satisfied with what Jesus has done for me and gave it to me on credit. The day that I accept it, it becomes my reality. And from that day on, God wants me to live by faith because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, is God looking for you to please Him? Think about this for a second. Because if you're already pleasing to God through what Jesus has done, and you are as right as you can be, then what is faith all about? See, God set something in order about himself. He said, the way you're going to obtain stuff from me is through... So why is, why is that not the main subject of everything we do? See, God wants us to have faith because He knows that's the way He gets stuff to us. That's how He's getting heaven to us on the earth. We already got heaven by Jesus' work on the cross. Right? I believe the Holy Ghost is here today to talk to you and to change your life. Because one word from God today will change your future forever. Do you understand? One word today changes your life forever. I want to tell you something about your past. One word from God today can go back and undo all your past. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And behold, all things become new. See, without faith, you were like, what? You're just like Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus and I said, How can a man be born again? How can a man my age go back in the womb? See, you got to understand, that's natural stuff. Faith is not going to ever be comprehended by your brain. It don't come from your head. It comes from your spirit, whereby God recreated and made the whole new being. New being. The old Jew is so totally gone, it don't exist anymore. God does not even know that feller or that woman. 
See, the only time God knows about your past is when you let the devil talk you into talking about it. Or you let your mama, or you let your spouse, or you let your boss, or you let the principal at school. Or you, you, you understand? They're the only ones who know about your past. They say, I remember when you used to go out and do all that. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not guilty. I, I just walk away from it. You know, it took a long time to get used to not hearing that I was terrible. And that I was going to go to jail. And I wasn't going to live till I was 18. They started at 12. I wasn't going to make it to 12. That's what my inner circle of friends and family said. You won't live to 12. And then I made it to 12. They said, you won't make it to 14. You, you know what? What they didn't expect is what happened at 13. They didn't expect me to sit on the curb one day and ask God if there's any way I could get to heaven. I want to get to heaven. And that, that day, he started making arrangements to get me there. Then at 16, they said, you ain't going to make it to 18. And then at 18, I got born again, and they thought I got a devil. All of a sudden, I didn't cuss no more. All of a sudden, I didn't smoke dope anymore. All of a sudden, I wasn't a womanizer no more. All of a sudden, I wasn't looking at other people. All of a sudden, I was living by faith. All I could think of is, oh, what does God want from me? How do I do this? And he kept referring me back to the Bible. Get back in the Bible. Well, how come this is happening to me in my life? And I'd get in the Proverbs, and God would begin to show me, this is what an evil man thinks about. I found some absolutes that I had have banked my life on from the day that I've got born again. God changes not. He was never any different before I met him. I was the lost one. He was the right one. <laughs> you know, and so, so here I am, I'm living by this substance called faith, and others are thinking I am a God of devil. What is wrong with John? He don't cuss no more. I moved out of the realm of the natural. See, I just moved out of the realm of the natural and started living out of the same substance you can live out of called faith. For we are to walk by and not by. That doesn't mean throw your senses to the side. <laughs> if there's a rattlesnake, you don't go, well, I could just grab you because I got faith. Your senses are saying, rattlesnake, 410. 12 gauge, 20 gauge, run, do something. But your face say, thank you, God. I saw that snake. Thank you that you delivered me from that. See, face starts saying that. Well, what if that snake latches on to me? Well, I got to shake it off. Right? Unless I see an instant miracle, my senses say, go to the doctor. And do it quick. Because you got about, you better hurry. Because if faith don't kick in, that snake's going to take me down. But faith says, dear God, I'm out in the wilderness. And a helicopter flies by over me. And I got bit by a snake. And a helicopter lands. Sees I'm in trouble. And I said, where'd you come from? I don't know. I just saw you acting funny out there, so I thought I better see you. Look like you're in trouble. I stopped. Do you? Or, I got bit by. Get in here, and we fly, and I'm okay. There's now I got a testimony. But faith does that. Let me tell you what faith never does. Faith doesn't ignore your senses until they're trying to take over. 
Let me say it again. Faith doesn't ignore your normal senses, your sight, your smell, which you can taste, smell, and, and all those five things, you know, five, and then the greatest one is faith. So I'm a, I, I, I have six senses. Six emotions, six things I live by, but I'm ruled by faith. Because faith is who I am. Faith is where I live because I am a spirit being. I'm more than just a body. Although it does look good. And uh, you can't keep it dolled up. You can, you can take care of it. But no, that's not you. Whether you're skinny, or you're fat, or you're ugly, or you're beautiful. We all met beautiful people that we can't stand. We all met heavy people... We don't want to be like them, but they're the loveliest people in the world. So all of us are different. But God's not dealing with that part. He's dealing with the fact that when you got born again, your spirit got changed. You left ownership of the devil and became a child of God. See, remember where sin abounds... Much, much more the grace of God abounds. Or you could say, no matter what the devil had done up to you until the day you got born again, the God, what God has done to you has totally annihilated everything he's ever done. Other words, I could say it this way. God's power is greater than the devil's. Doubt and unbelief is of the devil. Faith is of God. So when I'm in faith, I'm operating in the power of God. I'm expecting God to carry out what he says. So I act. I put on a term called hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. I know I got your attention now because you're thinking we all are hypocrites. I know some sitting in here right now. No, then you don't know. Hypocrisy, or not hypocrisy, or hypocrite, I said hypocrisy. That's the guy who's a hypocrite doing it, right? Anybody English teacher got better sense than I do? Okay, thank you. We're all on the same boat. I knew that. And so somehow or another, we all are arriving here because of faith, not because of how smart we are. Amen. Okay? So hypocrite is a theatrical term. And it literally means to hide behind another face. Well, Paul said in Galatians, no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith. Hebrews 11, 38 says the just shall live by faith. Romans 1, 17 says the, faith shall live by, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2 or somewhere right around in there says the just shall live by faith. Right? So I am supposed to live behind something. I am supposed to have a whole new face since I'm born again. So for me to be a hypocrite for Jesus, if you really turn it to the positive, now listen, I'm going to show you another story about positivity instead of looking at, oh, you have little faith as negative. Okay, I should have got a better shot there because all of us think of ourselves as little faith. I, I mentioned it. You're like, oh, if I just had more faith like him, I could just, maybe I could be the guy up there preaching. No, 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 no. You don't want to be up here unless God told you to be up here. Because everything I say... I stand a double judgment. I'm going to give an answer for. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, just, it's just not all this wonderful, folks. I mean, Pastor Ann and 
Pastor John, thank God they believe in the supernatural. Thank God that you have pastors who believe in faith. And thank God they know when the devil's attacking them fully on that they got to stay in faith and walk it out and act like everything's okay. I mean, they're living examples. I think we ought to give them an applaud for just being awesome. Thank you, Pastor John. Let me say hand. Hallelujah. You know, so living behind the mask of faith is going to make me look like a hypocrite to most people who are trying to understand me in their natural mind. Let me say it again. When I'm living by faith, most people are going to think I'm a hypocrite because they're trying to understand God by their sight, by their feelings, by their emotions. The Bible says, let the sick say they are. Let the poor say they are. I'm just doing what God tells me to do, not what my bank account tells me to do, not what my body tells me is really going on. It's why, why, why is you telling your body you're healed knowing you're sick? Because my body's waiting on its healing. My body doesn't tell me what to do. But let me tell you something. Living by faith will make you so heavenly minded that you will only be earthly good. How do I know that? Jesus was the most heavenly-minded person in the whole entire universe, and he did nothing but good for humanity. See, real faith always makes you compassionate, always makes you think of others, always makes you want to do other things for others because faith worketh by, by love. So the very first thing God gave you, Romans says the love of God was shed abroad in your heart. By the Holy Ghost. Do you know? Listen, each and every one of us here have the potential to love and walk and act exactly like Jesus on the earth. It was deposited in you. When you got born again, the same life that is in Christ came in you. <laughs> the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that shook the entire earth. It said gross darkness came upon the earth the day that he died. See, when Jesus died on the cross, that's all we see the picture of. The Holy Ghost needs to reveal you the x-ray. Because when you look at Jesus dying on the cross, it says, he said it's finished. Well, what happened on the cross? Well, you start reading the apostle, Paul's, and he's giving you an x-ray revelation of what's going on. He begins to describe that Jesus went to the lower pits of hell. And then in Colossians, it says that Jesus defeated him and made an open spectacle of Satan. Well, I didn't see that on the cross. You know why you didn't? Because you can't see it if all you're looking at is the cross. But faith gives you the ability to see where your natural eyes can't see. Faith gives you the ability to hear where your natural ears can't hear. Faith will let you hear God speaking to you when nobody else can hear. God will show you something that nobody else can see. See, faith moves you out of yourself and moves you into a realm of the supernatural where your life can be complete and whole. And you can experience your salvation and have the joy of your salvation instead of looking like pickles in a jar that nobody wants to eat. 
<laughs> you know, when I look at dill pickles, I'm like, give me the sweet bread and, and whatever, butter. You know, give me all that fat stuff, you know. I want a pickle that's sweet. <laughs> you know why people don't want your salvation? Because look at yourself. And uh, so let's just move on from there. Praise God. <laughs> let's take up the offering. Everybody goes... I love what he said about if it was your team that won today. <laughs> How would you act? Well, you know what? I just I, I didn't know I was going to jump on tithes and offering, but give me just a moment. I'm going to be gentle and kind. I'm going to tell you, every time you bring a tithe, every time you bring an offering, you're reinforcing your faith for God's love for you. You're reinforcing that you love him. And you constantly are repeating Satan's defeat. Amen. This money is only earthly, but I'm returning it because I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. I believe that he defeated Satan and made me a new creation. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And so every time I put it in here, I'm reinforcing that. And then every time I reinforce it by faith, God always blesses who? Me. My life's a better since I found salvation. Is your life not a better? I don't know if that's proper English. But my life's a better. And my life has been so good that I'm still trying to catch up with what he did to me at 18. I've been at this for 35 plus years and I'm still amazed in the morning at him. I'm still amazed at his amazing grace. But in the book of Romans, it's therefore being justified by faith that we access this grace by faith. By faith. We all know the story of getting in the boat and Jesus saying, go to the other side. Work with me for a minute. Jesus just got done with the parable of the sower. He just told some stuff that nobody understood. The sower went and began to sow. He told it over here. And the devil showed up through the birds. And the birds came and ate the seed. Then there was some that fell on shallow ground. And he told the story. And they're like, we don't understand. So he says, let me tell you the story again. Now let me tell you something. You can hear a parable over and over and over again. And until you use your faith, you ain't getting it. Because God ain't opening his kingdom ways of doing things to somebody who ain't on his side. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're on his side. I know that that went across all religious borders, including me, because I don't even know why I said it. (laughs) So just, you're going to heaven, but you ain't on the team. (laughs) Have any of you ever had people at work that are on the team, but they don't play at all? Yeah, God's got lots of children like that. Remember, salvation has nothing to do with you. It had to do with what Jesus did. Living by faith has everything to do with you and nothing to do with anybody else. 
Let me say it again. Woo! I tell you, it set me free to understand faith was for me and not against me. That I could be a hypocrite. It's the only time you find it's okay. Oh my gosh, come on, y'all have all played the game. Some of you have come in this parking lot. And I swear I couldn't tell the difference between you and the world. If I was to fly in your car and I heard what you said about me as the pastor... I, you might want to smush me as a fly. <laughs> don't let them hear me say that about them. Please, God, please don't tell on me. Some of you shrink away thinking God will tell on you. He won't tell on you. God ain't going to share your secrets with others, so keep your mouth shut. Don't tell people how bad you've been. <laughs> I don't want people to know I just had a fight with my wife. <laughs> Am I being too real? <laughs> Wherever you're sick in your body right now, go ahead, lay your hands on yourself. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? I know we had prayer and everything, but just lay your hands wherever you're sick, especially on growths, because you don't need me touching you. <laughs> Some of y'all should laugh. That was funny. Right? So, so I just speak to your bodies right now in the name of Jesus, and I declare to you by the stripes that Jesus bore, you're healed. You're healed. The devil's a liar. He was defeated. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he would totally destroy the works of the devil. I want you to know something. God has totally destroyed the works of the devil in your life. Sickness is your reward for Jesus' work. It is a benefit of the kingdom of God. He has given you the right to be healed. So you need to speak to your body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and say, in Jesus' name, I am healed by the stripes that Jesus bore. There was a fulfillment of this the day Jesus died on the cross. I am healed. Gross organs line up and properly function because you belong to me and I'm the one in lead. I'm the lead dog here. I'm the spirit and I live by faith and my faith in Christ tells me that I've been healed and you're a tool while I'm on this earth. So you shape up, line up right now in Jesus' name because Psalms 91 says that with long life I will satisfy my people. They will say out of their own mouth that I am their deliverer. I am their shelter. So we're saying to our bodies right now, be whole, hearts come into line, organs in the legs come back into order in Jesus' name. I speak to the gums that are in your mouth and I speak life to them now in Jesus' name and I release a new vein to flow blood to your brain in Jesus' name. Whoever that is needs to claim that or if you know who it is, claim it for them. But there's a healing for there is no aneurysm that will burst in Jesus' Jesus name vain I see it I can't locate it but you will not burst they will live a long life in Jesus name so we just did spiritual warfare right there we took authority let me say something to you about faith faith sees where the devil's using people 
but he doesn't attack people. Your faith gives you the ability to see that the devil's using somebody, but faith will never cause you to attack that person. The Bible says, pray for your enemies. Bless them that curse you. See, faith causes you to act different. Faith will cause you, even though your senses are saying, strangle them. It could even be fire them because they're never going to get it, but you know that you're not supposed to. Say, I'm a business owner, and there's times that I just want to fire them and be done with them, but I know I'm not supposed to because I can't afford to constantly go through employees that I invest and invest and invest. And plus, if God did that to me, can you imagine how many times he would have had to throw me down and pick me back up? At least 490 times in a day because the Bible says if somebody sins against you, how many times are you supposed to forgive them? Seven times 70. Come on, math musicians. Basically, you want to know the principle? <laughs> you know what the principle is? You're supposed to forgive all the time, every second, every minute, every day, the rest of your life. There's never an excuse. Never. Never. I'm talking to myself. I hate this part of it. <laughs> Never an excuse to have unforgiveness in your heart. It is the number one killer of all Christians. It will shipwreck you and a root of bitterness will get into you. And let me tell you something about a root. A root is growing all the while while nothing's happening on the surface. I mean, it's just burling in. Jesus didn't say what goes in a man defiles him. It's what's coming out of him that defiles him. Right? Jesus laid the axe to the root of your sin problem. He actually killed the old Jew and brought you back from the dead and made you alive in him. The law is <laughs> great to know that I died once already. All I'm going to get to do when I die in the natural is put on my whole spiritual. And then my body's going to get to come back to me when the rapture takes place. See, this old thing thinks it ain't coming back to me, but it is. Rapture says dead in Christ. Right? Those are dead. Then those which remain shall put on a new what? A new what? Come on. A new body, so I know you think you're through with this body, so might as well whip it into shape now. Might as well do everything you can to prolong its life now. I'm 55, and I realize that the most important thing I can do is to show people the way. To live for God. I mean, people need absolutes. People are totally blown away when I tell them that I live by absolutes. They said, what do you mean? It's absolutely wrong to be a homosexual. Come on, I thought I'd get better amens unless you're a little soft. We'll pray for you later. People think it's okay to allow all this on the earth. And I tell them it's not okay. So you're mean to sinners. I'm not mean to them. I love you, but what you're doing is wrong. It's a mockery. Lying. This stuff called white lies. Is it a lie or not? Are you pregnant or are you not? Right? <laughs> Women, you've been pregnant. When you find out you're pregnant, are you just a half pregnant? 
are you all the way pregnant? So this white lie stuff that we accept into our life, listen, a root of bitterness will allow that to come in and we call it compromise when it's really bitterness that's got in there and bitterness is a cancer that grows up and produces fruits in your life that you're saying, why God, why God, why? I have always sold out to you. I've always done this. But you've been afraid. I'm talking to somebody now. You have been afraid to get before God and let him really show you what the problem is. I don't like it when God tells me I'm wrong and my wife is right and I think it's all her fault. I don't like it when I get up there and say, God, I don't like the way the preacher does the way he does the things that he does. You know how he does those things that he does. You know. You know everything, dude. God's like, what did you just say? You know. I don't like it. God didn't ask you to like me. I know it's hard to believe you don't like me. Look at his profile. It was on the 10 most wanted in the post office. I was popular for a while. When I lived for the devil, the world loved me. But the minute I changed over to faith, the world hated me because I said, you know, you don't have to be sick no more. It's, it's flu season, not for me. It's over for me. over. Flu gets on this body. I start talking to it. Jesus done healed you. People think you're crazy because you talk to yourself. But you just stop and watch them. Just watch them when they start talking to their telephone. Thought, man, I couldn't talk to my dog that way. They talk about their car. Oh, this stupid thing. It's just a piece of junk ever since I bought it. It's done nothing but break down. I wish I'd have never bought this thing. Do you know why that works for the world and for the church? What you say is what you get. You want to know why? Because that's the way God designed it for the saved and the unsaved. God didn't lose his way because Adam sinned in the garden. Adam lost his way and passed his way to everybody See, the problem isn't God's wrong. The problem is, is we're wrong. And faith gives you the attitude to say, I'm willing to get back into the straight and narrow. I'm willing to be honest before God and Him only. I don't have to tell everybody my secrets. I don't have to let them know when I'm weak. I don't have to let them know when I'm sick. But I do have to let Him know that I believe Him. And that I do honor His Word. And that He is uno number one. By the way, his name is I am. None of you have a problem with I am until he says, I am the God who tells you to give a million dollars away. Now you're going to argue with the I am. See, but you want me to, I don't even have a million. Well, you're in good shape because God's never going to tell you to give a million away if you don't got it. Faith really will tell you at that time, well, you mean I'm going to have a million to give away? Wow, prophecy. She said something I spoke three years before it came about blew her way because she was in the natural thinking about that person. She don't mind me saying that. She told off on herself. <laughs> See, so faith gives us a whole new perspective. Now, I, I'm circling, and there's great teachers about the subject of faith that I suggest that you listen to and that you get in and dig. And study under. But if you don't add faith to what you hear, it'll profit you nothing. So closing this way, right? Jesus said, let's get in the boat 
and go to the other side. Some of you thought I forgot the story. So did I, and I just remembered. So, <laughs> so they all get into the boat, the 12, and there's the 13th man in the boat. Was there 12 or 11? Who cares? Who cares? Judas hung himself yet? I don't know. But don't go do like Judas. Don't hang yourself. Most of the time we hang ourselves by what we say anyway. So anyway, moving along, I don't want to talk about life and death are in the power of the tongue and that a man's belly should be filled by the words of his mouth. By the words of his mouth, that means his life is going to be filled. You want to know what's wrong with your life? Check your mouth, motor mouth. <laughs> Wait a second. James did something even more profound. He said, listen, the tongue's the littlest member among. Then he says, but... A great big ship has just a little rudder. What's James trying to point out? That little innocent tongue in your mouth isn't just for your spouse. <laughs> it is for your spouse only, really, though I'm teasing. But what I was saying, there's more to it than just kissing. <laughs> or giving your husband a tongue lashing. It's so you can guide your life according to faith. Because as your mouth goes, so does your body. Sometimes it's just a little adjustment you have to make about your health. How many of you know that an airplane has a thing called an attitude or aptitude? It's an attitude thing. I call it attitude. But it's where they program in where they're going. They put in all the little places, all the degrees and all this and that, and they begin to fly. Pilot says to the co-pilot, are we still on course? Okay, yeah. Well, what degree are we at? Pilot tells him, okay, we're still on course because that guy's got a set place. He's trying to get some. Because did you know that if you leave from here to go to Germany and you're off just a little degree you're not going to end up at the Frankfurt airport. So constantly, the pilot's checking where they're going. And so for you and me, the Holy Ghost is constantly talking to us. He uses your neighbor, your, your radio, your friends, your pastor, your Bible. He's speaking to you, and he's telling you, just make the little adjustment here. Go ahead and forgive. Go ahead and tithe. Go ahead, we'll get you there. See, God's plan isn't for you just to get where you're going tomorrow. God's plan is to get you at the end. Jeremiah says, for my thoughts are not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to give you a hope and an expected future. An expected end. There's some place God wants you to end up at. But faith is your responsibility, not the pastor's responsibility, not your spouse's responsibility either. So give your spouse a break. Don't use him or her as an excuse to why you can't be pleasing to God. Somebody elbow your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. I saw your elbow. So they're in the boat. They're going to the other side. We have two records of it. Jesus saying that, uh, he says at time they get there, the big wind, the big tempest. Y'all remember the story? He's asleep. He's out. He's rocking some Z's, right? He gets to the other end. As he's on, not yet. He's on his way. Storm comes. Sound like anybody, salvation, 
You got in the boat with Jesus. You thought this is going to be a bed of roses. You found out right away you have an enemy. You find out right away it's not as easy as you thought because you have a brain that's been taught wrong. You have in-laws that have been taught wrong. You have traditions that are against the will of God. You have things that you do there against the God. You believe the news more than you do God. You believe the newspaper more than you did God. And so you start this journey. And you're on your way and things get a little tempest out there, don't they? I believe in this financial freedom that God's got. And all of a sudden, the bottom falls out. Well, he said, let the weak say, I'm strong, and let the poor say. So I'm doing what he said. Said the tithe, he said to give, we start this journey. And all of a sudden, we're on our way, and uh, they wake Jesus up, and one translation says, oh, you have no faith. One says, records it, oh, you have little faith. Now, why would Jesus bring that subject up if it wasn't the most important thing for us at that time? Amen. Our faith. So you shouldn't be surprised when you're in church and somebody's challenging your faith. In Corinthians, it says, let us examine ourselves and even see if we are in the faith. It says, let you do that. Challenge yourself. It means to get up one day and just deliberately say, am I doing it God's way? See, I mean, to hear no faith is kind of like startling because you got in the boat. Right? You, you got saved. What do you mean I have no faith? Well, see, we look at that as a negative. I'm going to tell you something. No faith means there must be the ability to get faith. Which we already know, Romans 10, 17. So I'm just teaching but doing it in a weird way today. Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, and hearing. So let me tell you something. Sad thing is, you're never going to quit hearing or else you ain't going to have faith. And let me tell you something. We're all little dense. That's why we have to hear over and over and over. Because God has to push through your brain. Your traditions. Your way of doing things because he can't just control your mind. He can't just control you or you're a robot. And then he said to them of, oh, you of little faith. Now, see, that's where I was the first time I heard it. Oh, you of little faith. I was like, oh, my God, I got faith. Because <laughs> I've been hearing about it. See, oh, you of little faith is a positive thing because that means you got it. That means you got it. Come on, y'all should be excited because you got it. There's a cure for little faith, and there's a cure for no faith. But at least he acknowledged they got it. But faith is what pleases God, because that's the avenue he designed. I want to say it again. Faith is the avenue God designed after you got born again to do it to get what he has for you. You cannot accomplish it any other way. In closing, Galatians says this. Paul said, oh my gosh. I know I'm teaching a lot. But listen, I'm closing down. And I'm not going to do it a thousand times, I promise. Just 99, 99, 99. He said, oh, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Have you not received this Jesus by faith to start with or by the Spirit? And they said, yeah. And then he says, well, then what makes you think that you're going to turn around and be able to get anything from God by your works? And by how loyal you've been to the church. 
and by how much money you've given to the church and by how much you attend all the seminars and how much you sacrifice your life as a good person on the earth. Who's told you that's how to please God? See, they had a spell cast on them because the word bewitch means to cast a spell. And your flesh will cast the spell on you. See, the danger of sitting in church, this is good, listen, and never acting on the word is that you'll deceive yourself thinking you're okay, but you're miles away from faith. Just because you know the pastor gets up and says, John 3, 16, and your brain goes, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whoever believeth in him doesn't perish, but have everlasting life. God was not in the world condemning the son, but through the world they were saving him. Just because you got that don't mean that's faith. That just means you have the product that will produce it. That's why I said in closing, when you walk up here and you're actually doing this, and telling God you love Him, you're acting it out. God, I love you. I really need this. I know everybody in my family doesn't do this, but even my mind's telling me sometimes that 10% of what I make is useless. Why would I give 10? I should just give it all because it won't cover the bills. God, this is just really, God, you know, really, maybe I shouldn't. No, God, I should. You see what's happening? There's a battle going on. But every time I do this, I'm showing God how much I love him. The Bible says, if you love me, you will what? Come on, church. If you love me, Jesus said you will. Come on. Feed my sheep? No, that's what I have to do. It's not a trick question. Listen, if you love me, then you'll... But we're in America. We don't like this. Obey me? It's tough enough to obey the laws of the land that we see. Now, somebody who we don't see is asking us to obey him? Do you see why I'm doing this? I'm obeying a God. <laughs> God told me to do this. See, people think you're nuts. But this is God. This is faith. And so every time I act on faith, it pulls the promises of God into my life. It releases the power. When Jesus said it's finished, the power began to be released to raise him from the dead. Three days, three nights it took to finish the work. And God said enough's enough. Humanity's paid for in full. See, we believe in the unseen. We believe in that which is not tangible to the natural. Faith will take you places that God has promised to take you. Without it, all you have is words. Faith puts it into revelation. Faith is what causes God to act on your behalf. Just because he knows of your problems doesn't mean he's going to take care of them. You have to activate the promises of God in your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you here today to examine yourself. Are you in the faith? That's a question you'll have to ask and answer yourself. You don't have to do this out loud. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to tell on yourself. 
because it's between you and God. We already know. We know when we're out of faith. Everybody knows when you're out of faith. It's not a hidden fact. We've all been there. We've all fallen short of the total mark that God has for our life. But don't let that keep you down. God never condemns. He'll convict you. He'll talk to you about your problem. And then he'll give you the answer out. Faith is your answer out of every circumstance that you're in right now. R.W. Shambach said this way, you don't really have any problems. All you need is faith in God. Abraham had the greatest challenge of all, who is our father of faith. He gave his son as a sacrifice. God asked him for all of it. I want you to know something. God's asked you for all of you today. Will you commit to him totally in every area of your life? If you do, I promise you're going to have greater joy, greater peace, greater kingdom results. You make that decision today to say, I'm on the God side and I'm no longer on the devil's side. I'm no longer on doing it my way. I'm on the way of doing it God's way. Today, I draw the line in the sand. I don't have to make a big thing and let other people see it, but I'm drawing it in the land right now. I'm drawing my line saying this about finances. I'm going to do it God's way. My church shouldn't suffer because of my unbelief. My family shouldn't suffer because of my unbelief. Today, I'm going to learn, and God's going to help my unbelief. God's going to take my little faith and encourage it to become great faith. He's going to take my no faith and cause me to have little faith. And then little faith into great faith so that I could do and act the way God wants me to on the earth. I will be a beacon to this dying world. I will live as a light that shines in darkness. Amen. Everybody look at me for a second. Today is a great day. I know God has spoken to us in different ways. And, you know, I, I, I thought about what will happen today. You know, what will happen? Will, will God come in and show up and show off and do great miracles? I didn't know. But one thing I do know that happened today, that we got washed in the truth. And we got challenged by the Spirit of God to change and to do things. Now, can we see the instant result today? Some of you may be. But next week, we can tell the difference. We'll know. In the days to come, your family will know. Your spouse will know. So don't let outward signs dictate to you what God spoke to you today. Some of your business adventures are going to change. Some of your marriage ways of doing things are going to change. He's actually going to start helping. She's actually going to start cooking. Hello? Those are great things. All because of the word of faith. We are faith people. If you're not a faith person, you're in the wrong family. Faith pleases God because it's the plan He designed. He made it that way. In order to receive from Him, you must do it by faith. Amen? I trust today that you've been challenged and God spoke to you. And God bless you. And believe it or not, guys, we finish 5 till 12. Amen. Thank you.